Yo, 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 everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of Guiney Sports Pod, the soon-to-be number one sports podcast in the world. My name is Sean Guiney, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Josh Sector. How's it going, Josh? I'm doing well, Sean. How are you? Doing good, doing good. Um, we got a lot to get to today, a lot to talk about all throughout the sports world, uh, not just in Boston. Uh, but the big news uh, really is all on the Celtics side. A lot has gone down since we last talked. Uh, Kemba Walker off the team. New head coach just an hour ago uh, has been announced for the Celtics. Uh, and Jason Tatum being snubbed from the All-NBA team. Uh, we're also going to get to the NBA playoffs. Last night the Suns won an uh, incredible game too. We'll talk about that. Uh, the MLB spin rate crackdown going on. Umpires randomly checking pitches throughout games. And then over in the NFL, uh, the first actively open, the first active openly gay player in the NFL uh, announced it uh, in the past few days. Uh, but before we get to all of that, Josh, I got a question for you. You're from Connecticut. You're from Connecticut, right? Yes, I yep. am. CT 203. <laughs> Yeah, not one of the superior New England states. Um, but one of the cities in Connecticut is superior in pizza. New Haven, Connecticut. New Haven pizza. Is right. that is what that is that is that true? Because I'm gonna be going down to Connecticut a bunch over the next few oh, months. Sean. I'm not gonna be far from New Haven. I'm curious to see whether or not it would be worth me for me to go to New Haven to try the pizza. That's gotta be your first stop. Really? I mean, New Haven pizza is, is like a staple. Dave Portnoy, the master of pizza, has deemed New Haven the pizza capital of the world. And that's saying something. You know, you, you, got, you obviously have New York style. You have Chicago style. He's been all over the country, and he says that New Haven is the pizza capital of the world. You have Frank Pepe's. You have Sally's. Yep. You have yep. Modern. You have Bar Pizza. You have, you have a bunch of little pizza places all around um, – State Street and Worcester Street. Those are the two, probably the two main streets with all the restaurants. And then surrounding towns like North Haven, East Haven, they have uh, they have some pretty good spots too. But no, you have to, you got to go to New Haven. I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm not, I'm not, where I'm going to be going isn't that far from New Haven. I think it's like a half hour. Uh, yeah. Just north, so just on, just south of uh, New Har- uh, Hartford or New Britain. I think yeah. it's, I think it's in New Britain. Probably not. I have no, no no idea about Connecticut, um, but yeah, I'm I'm thinking about. It. I'm really in, I'm really inclined, really inclined to go try to pizza you because to. you got to. I'm I'm thinking. I I think I will. I think I will. And then here on the show, I'll give my uh, own pizza review. A lot what, of what um, I think about it. All right, I'll give I'll give my ranking. I'll give my top three right now. Uh, how, how, about, how about how about this? Yeah. So of the four, the four that you mentioned, Frank Pepe, Sally's, Modern Bar. Rank those four, because those are the four I'm probably going to hit up. All right. Well, one, I just disclaimer, you have to be 21 years old to go to bar pizza for some reason. Because yeah, it is a bar. bar. You, can, you can go in with your parents, but I've only gotten, I've only gotten takeout from bar like twice. So I'm yeah, just going to put that gonna at the bottom, bottom of my list right now. Uh, Sally's, number one, by far. Best sauce, and it, it just, I, I think it's the best. A lot of people like Frank Pepe's, but I'm going to put them at two and then Modern at three. Yeah, that, that's, that's the order I'm thinking it's going to go for me, too. Sally's being number one. Frank Pepe, the original, kind of like a, I'd say New England staple. There's a couple. There's one not far from me right now. Uh, there's a couple around New England, but the original Frank Pepe down there, too, and Modern yeah. and Bar. 
that's probably the order I'm going to have it also. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it um, to expand expand the pe- my pizza. Pizza palette. Pe- yeah, pizza palette. But, all right, that's good information, Josh. Thank you for that. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, now let's get into the news, the sports world. Um, before we get to the Celtics, I want to just hit up uh, the other NBA team, the playoffs, NBA playoffs going on right now. Last night in the Western Conference, Phoenix Suns beat the San, uh, Los Angeles Clippers 113-112, uh, something like that. 104-103. On a last-second alley-oop dunk, inbound pass from Jay Crowder to DeAndre Ayton, slammed it home, got reviewed and everything before they officially said that it was good. Um, before we get to the officials, because that's really what I want to talk about, I just want to say this. These playoffs this year have been far superior than years past. Oh, 100%. I, I'm glad you said that, actually, Sean, because a lot of people on Twitter and social media are saying how because certain players aren't in it, like obviously LeBron and now that Katie and James Harden are out, that it's it's less entertaining. But I find that more entertaining because Easily. you don't know who's going to win. Wide open. And it just makes and it makes for a much better games. It's wide open, wide open. And since the Nets lost in seven games to the Bucks, and the Sixers lost to the Hawks, that was funny. Both series were funny. It's just wide open. I I was saying all along, I don't see how the Nets could lose. I don't know how the Nets could yeah. lose. And then they lose. Well, injuries. Well, obviously Kyrie still can't play. Afraid to play in the big moments. Um, it's just wide open. It's wide open. Another reason why I like it so much is that three of the four teams have homegrown talent. The Bucks have Giannis. The Hawks have Trey Young. The Suns have Devin Booker. The Clippers, they brought in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. They're not homegrown. But that's what I like really a lot about these playoffs is that three of the teams, three of the final four teams, have homegrown talent, all-stars, top-tier players, and they're succeeding. And they're not going to have to get in the way of super teams like years past with the Warriors, the Nets, LeBron James teams. It br- it, um, it it just brings a lot more excitement and entertainment. And I'm, you don't know. Unlike years past, you know you had a good sh- idea of who was going to make it to the finals, who was going to win the finals. This year, we have no idea, absolutely no clue. And I love it. Yeah, I mean, I think at the beginning of the playoffs before they started, I had the Nets and the Lakers in, in, as my finals matchup. Obviously, the Lakers lost in the first round. Yeah, I don't, I don't know second. why you went with the Lakers. It's, yeah, not even like they made, it's not even like it was close either. Obviously, it was it was a seven-game series uh, for the Nets-Bucks, but they didn't even make it to the conference, conference finals. Like, yeah. I, I, I think this year is the turning point for a lot of a lot of these players you know i feel like tatum has already made that step into stardom but like you said devin booker trey young these young players that really have have skill but have haven't really been covered by the media but i think they're they're going obviously to. now they're on the biggest stage so they're gonna obviously show off more yeah and um, with game one at the east finals tonight uh the west the western finals is two games in the suns are up big They've been, game two was close. I didn't see game one. I forget game one. But this Atlanta-Milwaukee uh, series, Atlanta's kind of like on a Cinderella story. They're like on a Cinderella run. They got by the Nets, uh, the Knicks first round, five games. Then they got by the Sixers, surprisingly, because best players just forgot how to play basketball, most ben notably Simmons. Ben Simmons. 
Um, and now they're playing the Bucks. And Bucks years past, they've fallen apart late in the playoffs. But they look good this year. They look revamped. Bringing in Drew Holiday was probably a big, big move. Yeah. And it's just wide open, and I love it. But I want to talk about the game last night. And one thing that bothered me was the fact that it took over a half hour to play two minutes of basketball. 33 minutes to play the final two minutes of the game last night. Play the final 90 seconds. Close enough. Um, because it was just review after review after review after review. So many fucking reviews. And I thought about this a couple of days ago watching. I forget what game it was. I think it was the game Nets-Bucks uh, game seven. And I'm thinking to myself, why are there so many reviews? Why can't there be some, like, limit? on how many times the officials go to the monitor to look at stuff, to look to see if a guy was lightly tapped or if somebody stepped out of bounds or how much time is left on the clock. There has to be some limit. There has to be a limit or yeah, a I time limit on how long it takes. It's even insane though, how long these reviews take and how often they go on. Even though that was a uh, – obviously that was a very exciting game with the, with the buzzer beater at the end and Paul George hitting shots down the stretch, be, just because of those stops in the game and the reviews – it takes away from the excitement. Like exactly. it, it, it kind of makes it hard to follow the game when you're leaving for three, four minutes at a time just, just to look over the same play. Even though a lot of the times it's, it's obvious for the fans to see. You know, you get you, we get replays all the time, and we see, oh, it's off on Devin Booker. Oh, it's it's off on Demarcus Cousins. So we, I don't know how it's not that easy for the refs. You know what I'm saying? They have, if not more opportunities to see it because they see it in real time i'll give them that in real time it's a lot harder to make the call but when you're literally looking for that one thing through a lens through a camera it should be easy to make a decision so if they were to have all these reviews it should take one minute tops exactly that's something i would like to see as a time limit on these reviews plus we talked last week about the possible rule change of awkward shooting angles instead of the old-fashioned just jumping straight up that rule has been implemented, so next season officials are going to be calling that. And I can guarantee you that multiple times during games when James Harden goes for like a three and he shot like some awkward, possibly awkward angle, that's going to get reviewed time after time. It's going to add to the game. It's going to take away from the game. It's going to just drive fans away because people are not interested in waiting for the review. I was watching a hockey game. When, game, when that game ended, I... I was wondering if the basketball game was still going. I hadn't heard of a score yet, so I put it on. There was 10 seconds left, and I'm like, wow, this game's still going on almost three hours later. No, right. It's insane. It literally took three hours to play a basketball game. It shouldn't have taken that long. It's it's insane. It's something that needs to be uh, addressed, I'd say. But who knows? Who knows with the NBA? All right, we're going to stick in the NBA, bring it back to Boston, and... I mean, there's three big things have gone down since we last talked, Josh. So I'm going to put it up to you. What do you, what do you want to talk about first? Kemba, new coach, or Tatum being snubbed? Tatum being snubbed. All right, let's go there. So Tatum, Jason Tatum, great player, had a great season. Misses out on the all-NBA team. Misses out on $32 million over the next five years. He he should have made it. He should have made it. There was a technicality oh, that held him back. Uh, he had more votes than Kyrie Irving did when it came to being in a guard position. But he got more total votes for being a forward, so he was put in the forward position. And he 
was outvoted for uh, Jimmy Butler, who didn't play a quarter of the season. Uh, Tatum beats him in almost every stat category. I could read them off. I got to get to it first, but most notably, he leads uh, in points. Uh, he leads in points per game, uh, rebounds per game, blocks per game, three-point percentage, fields free throw percentage, uh, minutes per game, uh, and whatever G stands for. He leads him by the list I'm looking at. He leads him by seven to four, and he I was mean, yeah. outvoted. He was extremely outvoted. So I, I think we can agree he, he should have been on third team. Obviously, I don't think he yeah. deserved second team or first team over any of the players on those teams. He did get more second team votes than third team votes. Did he? That's so weird. Yeah. I hate how they do that. That's, that's just weird. for another day. So obviously Tatum, better than – all right, let me read you the, th- uh, the th- all-NBA all third team. Yeah. So you have Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, and Rudy Gobert. So like you just said, I didn't even know that he had more guard votes for Kyrie – Bradley Beal, second leading scorer in the NBA, deservedly so. Jimmy Butler, you just said that Tatum literally leads him in every stat category, and I assume that Tatum also leads Paul George in every stat category, or most stat categories. Um, And the weirdest thing about this is Tatum made the All-NBA third team last year with worse numbers than this year. Now I know some of these guys that are on the uh, that got voted in this year have had better seasons than last year, but so did Tatum. So that means he deserves to be on it as well. You know? Yeah. Yeah, he absolutely should have made it. Um, I, I I mean I can't make uh, the really the only person I can make an excuse for on this on on the third team right now is Bradley Beal, and just because he was the second leading scorer, almost won the scoring title over Steph Curry, but then Curry obviously. Had 50 in the last game. And then, I mean, Rudy Gobert, he's a center. He's not He's not going to get – Tatum's not going to get voted in the five. So, really, there, Tatum had three different positions that he could have made the All-NBA team. Yeah, and I misspoke um, earlier saying that Tatum had more second-team votes than third-team votes. I was lying. It was Jimmy Butler I was talking about. Butler uh, had 26 second-team votes and 18 third-team votes. So, I just wanted to – Fix my mistake right there, but yeah, I mean, just looking at the list, he had he had the most uh, votes for a player to not make an All NBA team. Um, he had more votes than Kyrie Irving. He, Kyrie Irving had sixty one. Uh, Tatum had sixty nine. But again, it comes down to, to to the positional technicality. It really is stupid. I mean, when you think about it, it's just media bias. Jimmy Butler's a bigger name than Jason Tatum. He has more years in the league. He has more star star name level Jimmy Butler does and Jason Tatum. Plus, they're probably also factoring in the fact that the Celtics sucked this year, unlike the Heat, who weren't as inconsistently bad as the Celtics. Didn't the Heat, did the Heat make the playoffs? Yeah, they played the uh, Bucks. I'm pretty sure. Oh, right. First, first round. round okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, I don't know, man. It, it's unfortunate he Oh, yeah, but got, they got, got screwed. And Jimmy Butler scored, like, 21 total points all series. Yeah, yeah, he did. It's, I don't know when votes were submitted. It might have been before the playoffs, but it's Tatum played what? All right, stupid. I'm just, I'm just comparing the numbers right now between Butler and yeah, what do you got? And um, and Tatum. So Tatum paid, played 20 more or 12 more games, scored six more points per game. Um, sorry, 
had less turnovers, more total rebounds, and more assists. So the, really the only only edge that uh, Jimmy Butler has over Jason Tatum right now is on the defensive end. But I, I like I I'm I'm just looking at the numbers. I can't even come to a conclusion on why Jimmy Butler got more votes than Jason Tatum did. Yeah, I mean, if it comes down to defense, why didn't he just go on the defensive team? I mean, Marcus Marcus Smart got snubbed from that too. Yeah, he could he should have at least made the second team, but he didn't. Um, so if it comes down to defense, I mean, that's not what the really offensive all-NBA teams are about. I mean, if you make an all-NBA team for a second or third, it's how you did on offense, not so much how you did on defense. It's, yeah, it's it's stupid. It really is. I mean, it, what are these people in the media who vote, not just fans, it's media personnel. I mean, they're just extremely biased towards the star players. Tatum being, what, four years in the league now? He he's not up there yet, and so he's gonna get overlooked, just despite the fact that he's playing much better than some guys who may have more star power in the league. So, but I I I feel like oh yeah, Butler did make the, the second. Was... Butler did make the defensive second team. Really? Yeah. Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, Kawhi Leonard, Matisse Thybulle. The only reason that I think I I feel like the media still looks at Jason Tatum as some young kid that was just drafted a year ago. I, I feel like they don't look at him as a potential franchise leader for the Celtics. I mean, I mean as Celtics fans, we know what he, uh, he's capable of and, and what he has done for us. But without the success that the Celtics – I mean, you know, they're kind of inconsistent. And when you're a leader of a team that's inconsistent, you can get overlooked. So I think that's that's really what's happening. Yeah. I mean that's that's what I'm thinking. It's that's what I'm thinking. It is is that fact that this, the team play was not good enough for one player to make a make the All NBA team. It comes down to how well the Celtics played, and they didn't play good all year. I don't know how well the Heat played all year. If it was similar, better, or worse than the Celtics, my guess is that it was better than Celtics. But if that's what it came down to, then I mean we got to rethink the whole NBA voting system. Because, I mean, it's it's an individual award. I've talked about it before. Tatum wants to make All NBA teams because the money and everything, the fame from that, he wants to make those. It's an individual award, not a team award. He got, he missed it because people voted it as a team award. So, if he did, what if he played a little better? If he had more fifty point games than he did, would he have made it? Maybe. Maybe, but it comes down to how well the team played around him. They didn't play that great, so he gets voted off, and that just makes absolutely no sense. He played incredible. He was the leader of this team. Even though I think Jalen Brown had probably a better season than Tatum, I mean, Tatum offensively deserved to make the All-NBA out the third team, All-NBA third team, 100%. just because of how well he played. And he's going to make it again. I mean, what, he made it last year? What was that, his first time? He's going to make it a bunch more. Throughout his career, next year I, I feel like if obviously if the Celtics are good and they and they find success and they're not as inconsistent as they are this year, then I feel like next year could start a tear in a, a series of um, what am I trying to say appearances on the 
all NBA team for years to come. Yeah. For Tatum. I feel like he's, he's taken many steps uh, to, to better himself as a player, but I feel like next year he's really going to turn it on, become that 30 point per game scorer we know he can be and start leading this team to more wins uh, and hopefully a deep playoff run. Yeah, I'm looking at the list here because um, I haven't looked it over that strongly. Kevin Durant is not on any of these teams. What do you mean? He's Kevin Durant did not make the first team. He did not make the second team or the third team. No, he didn't. That's surprising. Well, how many games did he play? He didn't. I don't. I don't think he played that many. I mean, Kyrie Irving made it. I think he played less games than Durant. Yeah, that's true. James Harden didn't make it either. I mean, I don't know. It's it's this whole thing is weird. I don't know much about it. Don't really care about it because Tatum didn't make it. But in any case, uh, Tatum missed it. He should have oh, made yeah. it. What, what? No, okay. Kevin Durant only played thirty-five games. Yeah, uh, and yeah, an average twenty-seven points. Um, let me look at Kyrie. I mean, none of them. I think what in total they play only a handful of games together. All three of them. Yeah, Kyrie only played fifty-four. Jeez. Yeah. Tatum played sixty four, so I mean I Jimmy Butler played fifty two. I, I I mean I can't even no, I can't make it up, Sean. Yeah, it's stupid. And that people should know it by now. All right. Uh we're gonna switch gears, keeping with the Celtics. Uh let's jump into let's go with the Kemba trade. Why not? We're talking about players right now. We get to the coach next. Uh Kemba Walker, the white supremacist, is off to Boston Celtics. He's off to Oklahoma City. Probably better placed in Boston for when it comes to race relations. But uh, Kemba Walker, 16th overall pick this year, 2025 second for the return of the great Al Horford, Moses Brown, and a 2023 second-round pick. I'm really surprised. I did not think he was – I thought Kemba was going to be here next year. I thought there was no way they were going to find a trade partner. I I think I mentioned – I think I mentioned, though, last episode that – Oklahoma City is a possible landing spot because they're going through a rebuild. Bringing in a veteran guy like Kemba could be good for the young guys share. I think I mentioned that. I'm not sure. But if I did, I think I deserve some credit for this. I called it beforehand. But no, overall, I am surprised. I did not think he was going to be traded. I think that it's con- I thought his contract was going to be way out of the water for other teams to handle. And for Kemba's well, I mean, play, I mean, it just it would look like a setup for a possible return, and he's not returning, so that's really the most important factor. This this was a contract dump for both teams. As fans, we welcome back Al Horford, but really, what is he going to do for us? Nothing. He has a terrible contract. Obviously, the poverty Philadelphia 76ers gave that to him, and. He stopped, if I remember correctly, he stopped playing for the Thunder just mid-season. Yeah, Thunder shut know. him down. Was he injured, or what? did he just choose not to play? No, I think they just shut him down. Yeah, so I, I don't, don't know if it was he injured or not, but yeah. I don't really know what to expect. I, I think Moses Brown is a solid player. He's a solid young center. Hopefully he pairs well with um, Robert Williams moving forward. Because those are pro- those are definitely our, our top two bigs right now. I think Tristan Thompson's on his way out. Yeah. Um, Plus, bringing so out. I don't Horford. know what to expect. I think personally, I think that Oklahoma City uh, won this trade, 
I don't think I, but I think the one thing that pushed uh, the scales in Oklahoma City's favor was the 16th overall pick. Yeah, I mean, because OKC has what a top? They have a top four pick this this draft, right? Draft lottery was last night. I think they have a third pick. No, they got the. If I if I remember correctly, I think it was the fifth, and the thirteenth. No idea. Didn't really pay attention to it. Um. Yeah, it went. Uh, Pistons. No idea. I have no idea doesn't really matter but they got a bunch of picks over the next couple of years i think they have like 18 first round picks they have four this year over the next they got 18 over the next seven years and they got four yeah. this year all right regardless whatever they, they still have a top five pick okay so you still have the top five pick they're getting our 16th pick um who knows if they'll trade that for more picks another player who knows but i think just having that power of two first round picks in I'd call this a pretty deep class. I mean, there's not a lot of big names, but there's definitely a lot of solid players. Having two first-round picks and two first half-round picks, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, <laughs> they I have two mean. picks in the first 16 picks. So that that's a that's a lot of trading power, a lot of star power that can that can be produced in this class, and that's what I think pushed Oklahoma's uh, the Thunder over the edge over the Celtics in this trade. Obviously, they're getting Kemba. He's on a bad contract, especially for the way he's playing. But for some reason, the Celtics always get fucked. So I feel like Kemba's going to turn around. You know, he's he's playing with a young Shea Gilgis Alexander. I mean, I, I he's the only person on the on the Thunder that I know right now. So I'm not even going to pretend like I Lou Dort. I know their roster. So Lou Dort. If they can, if they can be a good duo, a, a backcourt, because Kemba's still young. He's only 30. And then Shea's only like what twenty two, so we'll see what can happen. They have two first round picks this year, I, several. Eight, you said eighteen in the next seven in the next seven years. Yeah. So I I don't know. I I think the Thunder won this trade. Yeah, I, I think I think I could agree, agree with that. I mean, the first round pick it it had to be attached. No matter who we made this trade with, it had to be attached because of how bad the contract is for Kemba Walker. Um. Bring in Horford, it's thirty million less in guaranteed money in guaranteed money than if we were to have kept Kemba. That's good. Uh, it saves us a lot of cat space, I think, this year. Um, plus, bringing Horford. I mean, if we got we now have what Horford, Moses Brown, Tristan Thompson, Rob Williams, and with this trade, it likely means the end of the Taco Fall era here in Boston. So, Taco Falls out. Thompson's out. Rob Al Horford Moses Brown. It's not. It's not that bad. It, I think it's probably more of an improvement than what we had last season. These three compared to what we had last year. Rob Moses Brown Al Horford. It's better than Rob, Tristan Thompson Taco Fall, definitely. So I mean, there's there's that improvement. Um, plus like the money, the salary cap aspect, like I was just talking about, thirty million less in guaranteed money, cap space. I think that I think the Thunder did take on the entirety of Kemba's contract, um, which I mean is good for us, obviously. So there's definitely good and bad to it. The bad we lost the first round pick. The good we got rid of the contract, and we boosted up the big man position. That's I think something that people are overlooking is the fact that we did boost it. Sure, Al Horford sucks, 
but I think he's probably I think he'd have more of an impact than Tristan Thompson's impact because he's been here before. He's played with uh, Tatum and Brown. They already got that connection going. Moses Brown coming in. He's the third guy. He's the third guy off the and, bench. And the thing the thing about Al Horford is he loves Boston. Everybody knows he loves Boston. We have a great relationship. Obviously, you just said the players, but through the fans and just the connection to the city, it's it's just, it's obviously a good fit. Yeah, his wife didn't like it, though. When they left Boston, she sent a massive tweet thread just pounding Boston and the fans. Are you talking about Anna Horford? Or? Anna Horford, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was his sister. Maybe it's a Maybe. Baby, but whatever. It was a relative. Yeah. It was a relative. Um, but she then, when the trade went through, she put out another tweet saying how excited they were to be back. So we'll see. Of course she did. Of course she did. Um, but also, we got to remember the fact um, when Horford was with the Celtics, he kind of quit playing on us. He kind of like stopped uh, as his, as the season ended. He just stopped playing because he just couldn't anymore. Yeah. And obviously he goes signed. He goes and signs with Philadelphia. Now he's back in Boston. I mean, we can't forget that. He just stopped playing. He just did not play anymore. We cannot forget that. And people are. So um, bringing him back, sure, it's great and all, but is he going to quit on us again if things aren't going good? Yes. We can't forget that. He did the same thing in OKC. Just just obviously, I just said that, but obviously the Thunder were one of the worst teams in the NBA for the majority of the year. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't I don't know what you expect with Al Horford. He's 35. He's probably going to start. No. Maybe at the four. Nah, I don't think so. You you, don't, you think he's going to come off the bench? You think they're going to give Rob Will a start? Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. I, see, I, see, regardless. I, I see it as Tatum, Brown, Smart, Rob Williams. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting. But um, coming back to the Kemba side, though, he wanted out. Obviously, he got out. Things just deteriorated and to the point where they weren't going to be a good fit anymore. There was a report, a report that came out recently. He did not like how hard he was being pushed in practice by Brad. Felt like he was being pushed a little too hard. Um and that guys like Marcus Smart weren't being pushed hard enough. Who Al Horford said this? No, Kemba. Oh, sorry, Kemba. Uh, that that's what that's what the report said was that Brad was pushing him too hard, and Kemba didn't like that. That's so. How soft can you be? Exactly. Um, really, how soft can you be? You're supposed to come in. You're this All NBA talent in Charlotte, this All NBA scoring talent, and you're supposed to aid. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and you do nothing but hurt their careers and hurt the team overall. And then you're coming in and, and complaining about how other people are being let off easy as opposed to you being pushed by your coach. Would it, that's, and that's surprising because we know Brad Stevens never really pushed anybody on the court in games. Yep. So if he thinks that Brad Stevens was pushing him hard, I I can only imagine what he's going to think if any other coach is pushing him even harder. Exactly. And Josh, you're being from Connecticut. You're a UConn fan, basketball. Go Huskies. Who was your previous head coach when Kemba Walker was there? Uh, it was Calhoun. 
Would you say he's more of a hard ass than Brad Stevens? Yeah, one hundred percent. He's an old. I mean, he's he's an old basketball head. He deserves. The, he he demands the respect that he gets. He has three NCAA championships under his belt. So I mean, I can only imagine how much he was barking at Kemba and Andre Drummond and everybody like that. Yeah, because so. they were on the same. They were on the team together. Uh, that won the championship. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know what Kemba really is complaining about. Yeah, I mean, just for him to complain about Brad, saying that he got pushed so hard, yet he played with probably one of the hardest college coaches of all time, Jim Calhoun. I mean, it just it just doesn't add up. It does not add up. Maybe, maybe Brad looked at it as Kemba being the veteran, the guy who's been in the league for years. He needs to be pushed in practice to show these young guys that practice is important and whatever it could be. But yeah, not, none of this story adds up. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's like an excuse for Kemba. It wouldn't surprise me at all. That's just an excuse as he was leaving. But something else that makes me not believe his story is another report that came out that last year during the NBA shutdown, Kemba Walker obviously was had that knee injury. So he was given... Uh, some rehab work to do at home since he wasn't allowed to be around the trainers because of the COVID outbreak. Uh, the rehab work that he was given to do during the shutdown, uh, he reportedly did not do at all and that his knee was in the same shape going into the bubble as it was before the shutdown. How does he expect to get better, really? I mean, this guy, this guy makes all the excuses in the world, and then when he gets shit on by fans and coaches – and NBA personalities, he wants to just cry about it. Uh, but when he's not putting in the work, it's his fault. Exactly. I mean, if you're hurt, if you know you're hurt, you got to put in the work to get back to being at the same strength level that you were beforehand. I mean, playing football in high, my freshman year of high school, I got hurt. It kind of ended my season, but I was still going to rehab. I was rehabbing myself with the trainers and everything, knowing that I wasn't going to be playing for again. I mean, I put in the work at at the practice and at home. I mean, I wanted to get back to 100%. Yet, with Kemba, I mean, it just seemed like he didn't want to. He had the safe contract. He had the money coming in. Like, I'm sure his mentality was, I don't really need to be doing this. I got nothing else to do. So, I mean, that just, that just adds to my dislike for Kemba Walker. And I think to think that the past two starting point guards that we have just left town on such bad terms it's insane it's extremely unlucky some franchises never may never experience what we've gone through two bad um cursed point guards that just cause come in and cause trouble and then leave i mean it's just it's not good it's not good and Good thing that Kemba was gone because I cannot imagine what next season would have been like if he was Drew returned, which is what I was expecting. But now that he's gone, I don't have to experience that. So it works out. Good. Um, all right. Going to keep with the Celtics and now get to the news that broke today. Uh, the Celtics have a new head coach, Josh. Yep. It's not Chauncey Billups. It's, it's not Jason Kidd. It's Ime Udoka the Nets assistant coach uh, who played in the league. One was, yeah, Spurs. And now he's here. Now he's here in Boston. He's a new head coach. I'm disappointed because I thought 
I wanted, but I wanted Billups. I really did. I thought he was gonna. I thought just the name value was good enough to start attracting guys to the team, and I thought that's what the Celtics would have looked at. Is the fact that Chauncey Billups is a big name. He's the guy that will attract the players and stuff. And they didn't go with him. Maybe it's because he's already got a deal in place with another team, but because he's still coaching, he can't announce it yet. Maybe that was the case because he is the finalist. For, he is a finalist for Portland. I'm pretty sure. So I don't know, man. I I hope this is the right move. I I'm sure it's going to be the right move because I mean he's a young coach. He's a young guy. He's African American, a former player. Uh, he played with the Spurs. He also coached with the Spurs too. Yeah. So that just brings a different leg that probably, I mean, that definitely Chauncey Billups didn't have coaching under one of the probably a top three coach of all time, Greg Popovich. You learn you learn a few things. Obviously, um, he's found success. Obviously, I think he has a few rings with the Spurs going back to the Tim Duncan days. I forget he, where he went after, and then uh, obviously he's with Steve Nash. Um. In the Nets, and now obviously he's here. So I don't know. I feel like when Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Marcus Smart, three pretty important players, I'd say for the Celtics, are calling for Ime Udoka, and then we get him. That's that's a huge hit. Yeah, that's what um, I was just about to say. I, don't, I honestly I don't know much about him. Uh, he's a former player. He never really broke out though as a player. His best year, he averaged eight points for the Trailblazers. They just looked up, um, but if if Tatum, Brown, and Smart wanted him and we got him, then that's a good thing. Yeah, that's just what I was about to bring up was the fact that uh, I'm sure the players had to have had a voice in this decision, Tatum and Brown. If this is the guy that they wanted, then great. I'm surprised it wasn't Billups because he has the name value. He has championships too. He's more of a he has more he has more name value than uh, other guys like Ime Udoka, but I'm, I'm really surprised. I thought it was going to take a little longer for them to have announced it. I thought they were going to wait until the playoffs ended, but then again, thinking about it, Udoka was on the nets and they're eliminated, so their season's over, so make the announcement now. Who knows how long the steal was in place? It wouldn't surprise me that they had the steal in place maybe a couple of days ago when the nets are still playing, and now that they're out, give it a few days, let him adjust to not playing anymore or not being on the team anymore the season ending uh and then make the announcement come to boston i'm sure he'll have his press conference in a few days uh and then just get going on next season um so yeah just talk just thinking about it i'm sure the players had to have had some uh, voice in this decision would not surprise oh, me if they did so i mean i I wish I knew more about this guy because the news did break like just as we were about um, to come on. But he's married to Nia Long, if that does anything for you. Yeah, he was born in 1977, so. No, you know young. you know who Nia Long is. I have no idea. I thought you were just throwing she's that like, out there. That's like she, a no, fact. She's like a, a supermodel, really actress. You know, very very attractive woman. I'll I'll say that much. Um, she gets name dropped in a lot of uh, rap songs. She was in Boys in the Hood. Yeah, she's in um, a bunch of movies. So if if you got her courtside, maybe some players are gonna come want to play for you. 
Yeah. She is. Fi- she's older than Udoka. That's interesting. Yeah, she's fifty. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, there's that. Uh, Ime Udoka is married to Nia Long. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll probably talk, we'll probably talk more about this next week when more stuff comes out about the guy, uh, about everything about him. Um, but before we actually switch gears, uh, Jay Williams of ESPN, he put out a tweet uh, before or a while ago, uh, saying, "Well, now I lost it," but it went along the lines of the first coach of color in Celtics franchise history. Really? I mean, that that's not surprising. Wait, no, it's Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers. Was had, he playing on that? Was he playing on that Doc Rivers isn't a man of color? Well, we also had uh, Bill Russell. Bill Russell coached the team. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Uh, Casey Jones, he coached his team. There's What's this guy a, talking about? Exactly. This guy is working in ESPN, and he comes out with this bullshit. I mean, it's insane that he put that out. I don't know if he was joking or not, but... It's still up. Uh, I, I think it's still up. That's a pretty stupid joke. <laughs> if well, I mean, that's a pretty stupid joke, especially this day and age. You uh, can't just be making shit up like that. No way this is a joke. So I got the tweet right here, or a screenshot of the tweet. The first head coach of color for the at Celtics uh, was the black fist emoji. And even more importantly, he is one talented individual who has paid his dues and then three uh, hand clapping emojis. I don't, th- I don't think this is a joke at all. I think Did you delete it? I'm sure it's, it's got to be. It's got to have now. been deleted by now. I mean, I'm looking, scrolling through Twitter right now. Uh, I have no idea. I'm not going to go looking that hard, but I mean, it just you can't be that stupid. And he's a analyst on ESPN, doing that stuff. I mean, it is ESPN, but oh well. All right. Um. Oh, yeah. You delete it. Long gone, and he del- he looks like he deleted it almost immediately. <laughs> so yeah, and there's been six uh to- in total, uh coaches of color for the Celtics, not the first, for Ime Odoka, who's from Nigeria, he was born in Nigeria, so that's actually pretty cool, um because they got a big basketball uh. Falling over there, but. All right, so we'll talk more about this uh, hiring next episode, but we're going to switch gears now, get over to the uh, MLB, baseball. And there's been this whole uh, crackdown on spin rate, guy pitchers using foreign substances to get a better grip of the football, stuff called spider tack. Uh, MLB has cracked down on it. They're coming out with a new policy that umpires throughout games are going to randomly check uh, pitchers to see if they're using the stuff uh, and since the, the Empire started doing this stuff on Monday, MLB first announced it not long ago. Um, I think last week they announced it that they're going to start doing it Monday. But even before they announced it last week, they announced it that they're going to investigate the stuff and make some uh, ruling on it. Now it's a couple of weeks ago. And since then, I mean, guys' spin rates have gone down. They've plummeted. Most notably for me is the fact that Garrett Richards... His uh, spin rate dropped by over 500 uh, RPMs. What? So what's like an average spin rate for an average fastball? Uh, I think it was 
It's in like the two thousands. Okay. It's in like the two thousands, but with Richards, Richards <clears throat> dropped like over five hundred, when other guys they're dropping like in the two hundreds, between two hundred and three hundred, and Richards is dropping five hundred. So, so let's just take a look at at Gary Richards' career with the Red Sox, starting going to shaky start. ERA like at thirteen. I don't, I don't know what it was, but it was it was very high. He got shelled all the time. Um, and then he comes out, he's pretty solid, uh, wins five straight. And then now there's a crackdown and he uh, drops 500 spins or whatever, RP, what is it? Revolutions per minute RPM. RPM, stuff, yeah. So stuff like in a car, in a car, when you look at so the RPM. So it sounds like Garrett Richards um, was using this stuff. I'm not here to throw a Red Sox pitcher under the bus. But, I mean, that's what it is. He is going tonight against the Rays. So it'll be interesting to see how he does in tonight's yeah. game with now the crackdowns going on. Um, so I mean, if he does, if he does poorly, I mean, I think it's a safe assumption that he was possibly using it. But there are guys around the league who have also been investigated. So Sox didn't play Monday; they played last night. But the uh, umpires start doing the stuff on Monday. Uh, Monday, uh, Mets game. Jacob Degrom. Insane pitcher. Guy has like a .5 ERA, which is like the lowest at this point in the season in MLB history. Uh, he gets checked randomly, and he's just laughing about it. Everyone in the stadium is laughing about it during the whole uh, sequence. But he has to he has to get checked as it's mandatory to get checked more than once during the game. For a starting pitcher, if you're a reliever, uh, you get checked after an inning. Um, so DeGrom is getting checked, and he's just laughing about it. He comes back clean. Last night, Max Scherzer of the Nationals, another Hall of Famer. Uh, he gets checked once. That was one- a funny video. Yeah, he gets checked once. Nothing. So they go back to playing. He gets checked again. He's trying to get a little annoyed. Uh, but umpires have to do what they have to do. Then Joe Girardi, the manager of the Phillies, uh, asked um- umpires to check him again because he was rubbing his hair awkwardly. So umpires come back out he and check him He barely has any hair. Yeah, it's almost like uh, something going on with Evan Fournier, that whole hair situation. Like, it's balding in the back, but he has hair up yeah. front, and he's, like, working on yeah. it. It's interesting to see what's going on there. But uh, he's rubbing his hair. Umpires come out to check on him again. He throws his gloves and stuff on the ground. He takes off his hat. He starts loosening his belt. Because, like, guys do rub their belt sometimes, and there could be stuff down there. And he's, like, about to drop his pants, and he's clearly pissed off. And that just makes you lead believe that he's acting all angry and stuff because he's not being able to use it and it's he's getting pissed off about it that he can't use this stuff you have to get investigated for well, it and it's annoying you know what the score ended up being of the game yeah i think it was like five to three did the nationals Actually, win yeah nationals did win so i mean scherzer obviously he's a great pitcher he he's been dominant over the past decade. He's, he's got a World Series ring under his belt. Maybe do you think do you think he was using sticky tack, spider tack, whatever it's called? I mean, yeah, just based off his reaction. It. I the, think it was. I think that's just because he was. He got tested twice. Well, he asked. He he, got, he, he, stored, he stared down Joe Girardi. On on his way back to the dugout after I think striking out three straight batters. So, I don't know. It's it's. I think the umpires should go about it a different way than they are, just approaching them 
as they're on the field. Maybe, maybe just waiting for them to get back to the dugout and not embarrassing them in front of the entire stadium. But that's just me. Um, the, well, there's definitely there's definitely a different way the umpires could go about it, I mean, and the players too. They don't. They, I, I understand the umpires are just doing their job, so the players have to understand that, and they're and they're freaking out. But it's it, there's definitely a fine line between the between what's appropriate. Yeah, you were just talking about uh, umpires checking guys after the inning. So last night during the Sox game, uh, the Rays pitcher uh, Tyler Yarborough. He was getting shelled. I forget what inning it was, but it was the third inning. Sox put up five runs on him. Uh, he just has absolutely nothing going on. And so the umpires come out, check him, and he comes back clean. And just that hum- humiliating yeah, factor right. that he Sox are, Sox are just beating him down. Umpires didn't go check on him to see if he's cheating and using foreign substances, and he's not. I mean, that's a horrible look. So yeah. doing it like after the inning, that would make a little sense. Um, but no, I mean, I, I talking about Max Scherzer, um, I, I don't feel bad for him. I believe that he was cheating beforehand just based off his reaction. Sure, he got checked three times, but, I mean, um, managers can do that. Umpires have to do that. If a manager asks an umpire to check him, umpire has to check him. If a, an umpire has to check him, no matter what, he has to get checked more than once during his outing. Um and then over in Oakland, pitcher Sergio Romo is asked, yeah. is asked to get checked. And he has he the just, same reaction as Scherzer. He throws his gloves down. He starts ripping his pants off. It was so funny. I, I think these, these videos are funny and entertaining. Yeah, there's a there's a Twitter account that was created. Um, I forget what it's called. But it's all about these crackdowns, guys getting checked. Um, just... They're just posting videos of umpires going out to pitchers to check them to make sure they're not cheating. I just found it today. Um, when I followed them, I forget what it's called, and I'm not going to go looking for it. But in any case, um, it's it's a funny situation going on in the MLB. I don't know much about the whole spin rate situation. Um, I mean, I've been following it beforehand. I just don't really know how to comprehend it and everything. But it's going to be interesting to see how these next few weeks go about and these guys getting checked during games and if they're cheating or not so yeah there's that um all right gonna switch gears again to final subject of the day going to the nfl and the first active openly gay player is raiders defensive lineman carl nassib uh announced it in a video posted on social media over the weekend just came out casually and just threw it out there saying I'm gay I've wanted to do this for a while I'm happy to do this um, and we hit, a couple of years ago 2014 I think it was uh, Michael Sam of Missouri he came out before the draft got drafted and everything then his career kind of fell apart um, he probably would have been the first active NFL player but didn't make a team and now we got Carl Nassib who is on a team, his third—he's been in the league for a couple of years now. Uh, people remember him for being on the Browns a couple of years ago when they were getting filmed for Hard Knocks. And as the show was like ending, there was a clip of Nassib in a locker room talking to guys about compound interest and stuff, and how putting money down now it'll multiply 
year after year after year. And it'll just keep going up. Uh, people remember him a lot for that, and now he's also going to be remembered for being the first active NFL player to be gay. Um, I mean, I I think it's kind of big. It's definitely it's big. Not, I mean, it's huge. Yeah, um, because in the NFL, it's really you think about the NFL and you think big manly men playing a man sport, and now you got. Uh, one of those manly, one of those men happens to be gay. Um, and I mean, there have been players in the past who, after their careers ended, they came out. Uh, former Patriots right. player Ryan O'Callaghan being one of them. Um, so it's it, it just uh, an interesting situation going on. A couple, play, a couple players came out and showed their support. Uh, Derek Carr, Raiders quarterback, obviously. Uh, the commission came out. Uh, supporting him, Saquon Barkley, just near a few. Um, yeah, it, I mean, it's yeah, a big it's, thing. It's good representation representation across the league for the LGBT community. Um, and I think now that the first one has come out, we'll see a lot more people come out as gay because in the NFL because many players have said, obviously you just said that many players have come out later on in life and later on in their careers um, after the fact. So now that they see they can be gay and, and succeed in the NFL, I, I feel like a lot more people are going to come out and, and be truthful with themselves, which is good, which is good. So, Yeah, no, it's definitely good. Um, so uh, his jersey sales, they skyrocketed after he made the announcement. Yeah. Right, rightfully, rightfully so. Uh, yeah, it's just, just, just it's an interesting thing going on. I guess there's actually a lot of backlash going on that not enough players are coming out and showing support for him. Um, I mean, it it I in that situation, I mean, if I'm just another player, I'm just like, all right, great, good for him. I'm good thing yeah, that right. he came out. Like, we don't really need to go out and make a big announcement and show our support. Uh, for him, we don't really have to do that. But I mean, this age of social media and everything, athletes, celebrities, and everyone—they're always posting, always make throwing their two cents into every conversation. I mean, Saquon Barkley's on the Giants; he's not even on the Raiders, and he showed his support. So, I mean, I'm on both sides of that fence. That athletes should and shouldn't show their support. I mean, it's just up to them. It's up to them. If you're a teammate, I mean, like Derek Carr is, obviously. Like you kind of want, you kind of should do that because you're face of a franchise. They're the player associated with the team at that moment, being the quarterback. Um, obviously, you're going to make a statement, but for like guys around the league, I mean, it, it it's up to them if they want to say something or not. Should they? Maybe. It's up to them. It's just up to them. But in the age of social media, I'm surprised that not many players are uh, showing their support. So, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, that's really all we got today. Uh, lots of well, we got talked a lot about a lot, a lot to talk about today. Um, I mean, now we're gonna wrap it up with stuff on the internet. So, Josh, what do you got? All right. 
Alex Caruso. <laughs> you, hear the, you hear the news? Of course I did. All right. So Alex Caruso, he was on. He was in the airport, the Texas airport. Um, I don't know where he was going, but as he was going through TSA, he got scanned. His bags went through, and he was in. He was under possession of under two ounces of marijuana. Now in Texas, it's illegal, so he got thrown in jail and was in. But he got bailed out. Less than two hours later, on a forty-two hundred dollar bond, um, and this is this is probably not this is probably the worst time that Alex Crusoe could have been arrested for weed. Obviously, weed has been destigmatized around America. It's been legalized in, in a bunch of different states, decriminalized everything. So, but as as far as teams go, you know, a lot of these owners and general managers are, managers are old-fashioned, and they, if they see a guy getting arrested uh, and have uh, possession of drugs, they might not like it. So Alex Crusoe's in a contract year. He was kind of a big part of of this Lakers team, you know. Um, he didn't show it on the stat sheet. He only averaged 6-4-2, but he, he was pretty good at defense. He was a good floor general for when LeBron needed a rest. Um, so we'll see what happens with Caruso if he signs the Lakers again, if he goes elsewhere. But definitely the worst time this probably could happen to him. But all I'm saying is free AC. <laughs> yeah, get that trending. Um, all right. So, all right, my story. Uh, Subway, fast food chain, known for their subs, and they're always touting that it's healthy food and stuff. Uh, well, their tuna sandwiches have been found to contain no tuna fish DNA. Uh, the New York Times did an investigation on this. They sent 60 inches of Subway tuna sandwiches from three different, three different restaurants in Los Angeles, uh, from, from three different restaurants to a lab in Los Angeles to test for tuna fish DNA after a lawsuit uh, earlier this year alleged that the fish were made up from a mixture of various concoctions. So test, they tested for 15 different types of species of tuna. Uh, they could not find one species of tuna to match to the tuna fish DNA uh, that is put in Subway sandwiches. So I'm not surprised. I've heard some horror stories about Subway from people who I know who used to work at Subways, uh, from how they store their food to preparing their ingredients and stuff. Uh, most notably the fact that their mayo is always room temperature. It's never put in a fridge. That is fucking disgusting. So I will never eat at a Subway. Uh, no disrespect to Jason Tatum or Draymond Green. Spartan dog, Draymond Green. Um, but I'll just, I'm, if I'm starving, driving on a road, and I pass a subway, I will not care. I will keep going. I will never eat at a subway. It is that well, place is disgusting. I think, if, I think if you're getting tuna fish from Subway, you're honestly doing it to yourself, and whatever health concerns come about from that, that's on you. But other than that, I think Subway is kind of enjoyable. Nice chicken BLT with ranch. Ooh, Sean. 
Yeah, that ra- that ranch is probably room temperature also. Top notch. Bro, I'll I'll never eat out of Subway. Never. You'll never catch me eating out of Subway. Subway, if you're listening, I don't care if you don't sponsor me for this. Your food, fix your fix your fix your processes about how you go about eating food, preparing food and stuff. So, yeah, fuck Subway. That's that should be the hashtag going around right now. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week, Monday. Episodes are now going to be on Mondays. Uh, next week, we got some college football to talk about, Josh. Big news going on in the college football world. Uh, so we'll Ooh. get to that. Yeah. Uh, Celtics, probably talk more about the Celtics <clears throat> and playoffs going on. I'm extremely interested in NBA playoffs, surprisingly. Uh, plus, maybe some NHL playoffs going on with them uh, and everything else going on in the sports world. So that's the uh, plan. So, yeah, so like you said earlier, first game Eastern Conference Finals tonight, game three of Suns Clippers tomorrow night, and Chris Paul is back for that. So we'll is see. He confirmed? Yes, yes, he is. He cleared protocol, so he'll be back for game three. And so we'll see what's going on with that series. Nice. Big news, big news. I'm pulling for the Phoenix Suns. They seem to they just seem like the they seem like the team to Team of Destiny. Absolutely. So that's the plan. Thank you guys for listening. Josh, want to run back on Monday? Sounds like a plan. All right. Tell your friends, tell your mothers, tell your mother's friends and your friends' mothers, and we'll see you guys Monday.